Welcome to Quiet the Noise with Amy and Evelyn, a podcast whose mission is to educate and empower the community, make informed, unbiased decisions, and shift your perspective. World-renowned lecturers and educators, also referred to as the Gutman Sisters, Amy and Evelyn are known for evidence-based, trailblazing techniques in helping children and families thrive. Occupational therapists specializing in neurodevelopment, their goal is to encourage, enlighten, and empower. Please join your hosts, Amy and Evelyn Gutman. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited to be here. Welcome to Quiet the Noise with Amy and Evelyn Gutman. I'm Amy. Hi, and I'm Evelyn. And we're excited to have you, and we thank you for taking the time, whether it's on your drive or in the evening, for um, joining us in our podcast, Quiet the Noise. We have decided to do this podcast based on the com- the community's request and from our clients' requests, and we really want this podcast to be about you. So whatever topics we choose for the beginning of our episodes, we really do want to hear from you and we will address whatever topics you would like to discuss. So be sure to reach out, whether through email, Instagram, um, drop us a line, just tell us what your thoughts are and what topics you'd like us to discuss. Today we thought we would talk generally about who we are, what we're about, and what the goals of our organization, the Hope Foundation is, and what we plan to do on this podcast. So just to get started with a little background, my sister and I grew up in Brooklyn, and we are both occupational therapists, but that was not our first profession. Evan, why don't you share with everyone how you started Well, out? I actually started out as, a, my first degree in college was as an accountant, because at that time I felt there were so many people going into the field that, what, what do they need another OT for? Exactly. <laughs> um, but I realized... I wouldn't say early on when I gra- when I was about to graduate and um, go for my CPA exam. I realized I wasn't very very happy and that I always wanted to go into a field where I could work a little more directly with people and help people. So I took some time off and I did volunteer work and I figured out that I appreciated um, the field of occupational therapy. It's interesting because it's the kind of field where there are so many different areas that you can go into. People think that it has to do with um, finding a job, but it really has to do with so many areas that affect the quality of life of whether it's an adult or a child. And I switched over and I went to school um, and became an occupational therapist. And I actually started out with the geriatric population when I started working. I always say I started with the 99-year-olds and I worked my way down to um, babies. I think instinctively I knew I would want to go with pediatrics, but I wanted to get a little more experience. And once I started with peds, that's it. It was um, that's the that's the route that I continue to take. And for me, the journey really started as a young child. Um, I had always suffered with integration issues, but having grown up in the seventies, nobody spoke about OT or sensory. They just figured that you were just going through your childhood and you would, and I quote, grow out of it. So I did suffer internally. I was very blessed that I did well in school. I had friends. I thought it was a, you know, a a genetic thing with me that I was maybe nervous about everything, but my quality of life was quite poor. Nobody knew it, but my family did. Um, I would have issues with certain clothing textures. If the chicken touched the rice, I wouldn't eat it. If God forbid, I didn't know exactly where I was going the next day for camp. I pretended to be sick 
It was not an easy way of growing up. The quality of life was quite poor. Um, my sister was my witness, so yeah. she can tell you about all those stories. But regardless, I think as- it was also like knowing that you're you're living with someone who's going through so many things, but not really understanding it because we were kids at right. the time. Right. Like you just know, and we had great you had we had great parents who really I think accommodated whatever it is that you needed. Right. Like I remember growing up, and my mother would give me those heavy blankets. She would make sure to take me to the stores when I didn't have to have a large population there, so they didn't hear me screaming while she tried on those wool, scratchy, itchy dresses. It was just a really, really hard time. Um, but regardless, I, as I mentioned, I always did well in school and things were great. I had opportunity and I actually went into finance and that was going to be my career choice. Um, while working in the mercantile exchange and studying for the CFA, I actually finished my schooling at Downstate in occupational therapy and I was motivated to go there to help myself. And that's what I did at the age of 21. I graduated and I did help myself. And it was a very eye-opening experience for me because my quality of life changed dramatically. So I would work on Wall Street during the day and then in the afternoon head back to Brooklyn and work with children. And while we were working with kids, we realized that we were doing very well and getting good results, but children's issues were not generalizing or they would come back after a summer break and they would still have difficulty. So we stopped doing what we were doing and we decided to take some time off and learn from individuals who were more experienced than us and different fields. And with that, we did a lot of studying with neurodevelopment and we developed the hands-on OT rehab um, company where we treat children by training parents on doing what they need to do. They do that therapy and we supervise them as far as what exercises and what kind of therapy they should be getting. I think I wanna mention also that because we want this um, platform to be a place where all therapists from all areas come that we've had our experience also working in the school system. That's right. I know that I've worked in centers. I've also done a lot of early intervention. You've done thousands of evaluations. We actually, was interesting. She used to do the evals, and then I used to get the kids and treat. So we have a lot of experience in different settings, so I think what we've formulated is taking everything that we've learned from where we used to work and the struggles that the children are having to try to come up with a method of parents treating their kids but also educating them so they fully understand what they can do to understand and also help their kids. And the reason we're telling you this background is just to understand that the information we're going to be giving to you is really driven from a passion of seeing how things have evolved over the 20 years that both of us individually have been in practice. So it's actually 40 years between us. And what we've learned is that there's a lot of information out there for therapists, for parents, for um, everyone teachers and teachers everyone. and sometimes we just don't know what's authentic what's evidence-based what's just um, assumptions what's alternative what people should follow nutritionally um, exercise wise therapy wise should they be going to a psychologist a doctor so we want to give you a little background about who we are and where we're coming from because the information we're going to try and present to you is very unbiased because we're really looking to spread this information and show you proof as to where to get the help that you need. So That's why we also named the podcast Quiet the Noise, because we know that there's a lot of noise that's out there 
you'll read something about um, a diagnosis or about a treatment. You will see your neighbor who has a child that maybe presents with similar things like your child or even yourself and you're going to see that they're running towards some sort of a therapy and you're going to want to run towards that. And it creates a lot of buzz and a lot of noise out there because there are so many things that good things, by the way, that we can turn to to help ourselves and our children, but not always is it the right thing for yourself or your family. We also have a lot of noise internally within ourselves in terms of how to make that right decision. Where do I turn to? How, to? how do I go about it? Did I make the right decision? And it's so important to be able to quiet that noise, to be able to take that moment and really filter out what's important and see what it is that you need to see about yourself, about your child, about the method that you're looking into, about the therapist that you want to turn to, and take whatever it is you see and make a really informed decision that feels good within yourself, always knowing that in that moment you are making the right choice for yourself. And I have to tell you that as we've been working with families and schools and children, just individuals in our lives, and with the advancement of the internet, social media, there is so much information out there. It can literally drive someone crazy. Yeah. And whatever choice you make on one one day, the next day you're hearing evidence showing that it's not true, or your friend is saying, "How oh, don't use them." I had a um, an amazing person with this one, and you question your decisions, like my sister said. And the thing to realize is that. What we would like to do is give you information so that your decisions are made based on knowledge and also, so important, that internal quietness that you need to get. And we want to empower you with that through our podcast. And that's why we want to know what areas do you have issues with. Now, this is not just for children and parents and grandparents and aunts and teachers and therapists of those that have children that are very involved. Majority of the families that we work with have typical developing children that have very subtle issues. It could be anxiety, it could be some kind of behavioral issue that they've gone to psychologists or psychiatrists for. It could just be things like not sleeping well, a child not eating well, and we want to find, sometimes you there are issues with that in terms of, yeah, there is a major problem, and sometimes it's just typical, normal, developmental things that every single child goes through, and it's important to make that distinction, and we hope to touch upon that as well, for any parent who has a child. Exactly. Not, everything, not every child presents with an issue. You can always find something wrong <laughs> with course. someone, but that's not what we want this to be about. It's about getting the clarity of, hey, that's okay. Oh, a little light bulb went off in my head right now based on what you said, based on something else you said the other week. Maybe there is something I need to explore here. Because when we talk about development, you know, my sister and I are very into prevention of these things with children. And we have a whole approach that we'd like to share with the community on this. And we're going to do that through our podcast. But something to remember is that this concept of they will grow out of it is actually an accurate statement. What it's implying is that the central nervous system takes time to develop. And yes, some children... Need more time. Exactly. And that's okay. And there are certain periods of life and time that children are supposed to tantrum. And they're supposed to be oppositional. And they're supposed to be behavioral in a way. And sometimes you'll have a child who doesn't like a subject. 
and they may not grow out of it, everything else is okay, they just don't like math, that could also be okay. But if you, if you have a kid who has a problem with math, let's say, and they have a problem, let's say, with... Taking exams as well, and they get nervous about that. Or they have a problem with an older child with, let's say, figuring out how to organize something, which should be right. conceptually something they're able to see, and it translates into the way they function, that may be something that you want to, say, look into and see if you can help that child. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because parents will come, when we're, let's say, treating a mother who has a child with a difficulty, they'll come where they're newborn. They're like, oh, things are going great. The milestones he's hitting, he's crawling and he's rolling and all that. And my sister and I are, like, happy and excited. And what we're actually looking at is how they're crawling and how they're moving and how they got to sitting. These little nuances in development affect skills and brain maps later on and we want to share this information with you so that you can understand how that impacts them and again it's it, the world is out there with so much information and knowledge it's kind of you have to filter what's right or wrong sometimes parents will come to us and they're like you're only giving me one exercise and we're like right because you don't need a boatload of a sensory diet you only need the one that's the right fit for you exactly so they're surprised so we want to give you this information so that when you go to your teacher your therapist or you look at your child and you're wondering you don't even have a child with issues but you're wondering is there something i can do to help them before there's a problem or if you do have a child with issues you want to be able to speak and communicate with your therapist who's working really hard to figure things out but again as the person who's with your child all the time, if there's one thing we have to say, it's trust your gut and you know best. Yes. As a mommy, as a daddy, you are the one that is with your child 24-7 and you know best. You trust your intuition and your gut and ask questions and with the knowledge that we give you, politely find out if there's anything further that you can help your child. With that in mind, I think that we should discuss now um, something that's a very popular question that a lot of people write into us about and talk to us about, or you just meet, you know, on the street and they're like, "Oh, I hear what you do, but how do I know what it is or which professional I really need to go to based on how my child is? I don't know if he has ADHD or it's just a behavioral issue. I don't know if this child has anxiety or he's just, um, you know, that's his personality and." There's nothing wrong with that. How do I know that my baby is um, developing the way they need to do? Like they have, like I mentioned before, they have a feeding issue and they're a picky eater and I'm really spending 45 minutes to get a little bit of food down. How do I know that developmentally that's okay? Do I need to go to a feeding therapist? Do I need to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor? Which or parents are asking questions like, my child, my school has told me that my child has ADHD and they want me to go to a psychiatrist for medication, but I'm thinking maybe I should go to a behavioral therapist. How do I determine what kind of professional to go to? By the way, this question is not only for parents, it's also for therapists at times and teachers who are consulting. Let's say there's a question and we're not sure if we should be recommending guiding counseling, social work um, services, psychological services. It's very hard to differentiate what kind of professional to recommend and to have a parent get more help from. I think it's also an important question to understand how to go about because even adults, who some of us who are even listening right now, as an adult, a lot of adults tell me, you know, my parents took me to this and this professional when I was a child. Right. And here I am as an adult, and I still have that same issue. Or it worked a little bit, but I still feel like it wasn't addressed. 
So understanding it can even help you as an adult make the right decision to where you need to go to to get the help that you need. And the reason why we think this question is so important is that if you think about it from the child's perspective, it's not just about the money and the travel that some parents may have to go through. It's really about the time factor and also the emotional feeling that the child goes to when they go to a therapist. Do they resent the therapy? Will they be going to someone who will be wasting time and in the end not get the results? It's a, it's a very, very heavy decision. And it's something that we actually value very much when we speak to parents that come for evaluations and you know they go through their thought process as to how they got to where they're coming to us or when we're guiding them that you know we can't help them. And we share that with parents sometimes and we recommend that they not waste their time with us and they should go elsewhere. It's a really important point because we're talking not just about the therapeutic process, but how the child is responding emotionally to having to go through therapy. So with this important question in mind, let's get to the nitty gritty and talk a little bit about some things to think about. So I'll start if if that's okay. Uh, What I'm thinking is one of the first questions we always recommend parents think about when they're trying to figure out if there's an issue or maybe they didn't have the problem, but the school brought it up or it came later on in life is did your child have this issue when they were younger? Now, it may not be that they had an attentional issue when they were two or three because it's normal for a child to be running around and they may not have had, and I'm putting in quote, by the way, anxiety because we're going to do, we're definitely doing a podcast on anxiety. We have a lot to say on that. But let's say they're not having full boat anxiety when they were little babies, but they were cry bigger criers they were did have issues with transitioning and all of a sudden they're in sixth grade and they're having anxiety or they're in nine-year-olds and they're um having a lot of difficulty socially so the question is when you're having this issue that comes up because the school is presenting it or it's developed later on in life think back on how the child was when they were younger. And we're talking about before the age of three or four. If they were having some issues, and in your mind, you may have just been excusing it as if, oh, they're just a toddler, or, oh, they'll grow out of it, like I mentioned it before. Yeah, a lot of times, people, parents will tell us, I didn't see this as a baby. I'm only hearing it from the school. But right. really... They were behaving with, uh, presenting with similar behaviors. The only thing is, when you put a child in a school setting, they have to adapt and conform to, let's say, what the rules are. They also have to be able to interact with their peers a certain way. So it's not so easy for them. And that's when certain issues become glaringly apparent to the teacher and then also to the parent. And this is our recommendation also for administrators and teachers and um school psychologists who are presented with a child who is showing signs of anxiety or attentional issues or oppositional defiance and behavioral issues is to really question the parents, have that phone call with them and ask them what they were like when they were younger before they started school. Because school is just a huge flashlight. It's literally that spotlight on any issue that you can have. You're on stage and anything that you're dealing with there are two ways of going. Either everyone's seeing it or you're hiding it inside and you come home and you explode at home. Right. That's why... That's a good distinction that yeah. a lot of kids are, are picture perfect, so to speak, in school. But when they come home, 
parents are like, it's not about the school, it's about the fact that I just cannot deal with the behaviors and I can't deal with the dynamics of how, of how it affects the dynamics of the family as well. Right. So when you're stuck with this issue, and again, we're not going to give you um, yes and no answers here and clear cut things. We're sort of going to try and get your brains thinking so you can develop this answer for yourselves. But one of the thoughts are if if the answer is that this child did have similar concerns and they were younger, but maybe you weren't aware of it or it wasn't such a worry because they weren't in a situation that it affected, you were able to control and help them and guide them and give them routine and set them up for the best practice, then your thought might be to maybe look back at developmental kind of therapy, speech therapy, OT, PT. You may want to go down that route first because they could be a little bit less intense than going down psychological and psychiatric um, therapy and, and those kind of components. The best bet, by the way, usually is a developmental um, pediatrician who can also guide you as long as they have a good understanding about that. They are far and in between, but there are those that are out there and you can inquire. You also have the um, ability to rule out when it's a pediatrician anything medically that's wrong. Like when we talk to parents and they say, oh, my child is so inattentive. I keep talking, calling them and they don't answer. Um... It takes me so much time to have to repeat the instructions. The first thing I would say is make sure that you check out their hearing, that they're hearing properly, that medically they're doing okay. Right, because if a child has even slight minimal hearing loss, they can present to someone with ADD or ADHD. And social workers, psychologists, please find out from the clients that are coming to you if they're extremely thirsty, if they have a lot of immunological disorders. That might be a child who's suffering with reflex issues or sensory integration issues. And as much behavioral therapy as you're going to do with them, you'll make some progress, but they still might need that OT to provide provide a sensory diet or implement certain movements to regulate them. So as long as all of us as professionals and parents understand that there is a developmental sequence to when things develop and maybe their child may have been a little bit off, but it wasn't apparent because they were walking and talking, but the quality was not great. They were walking, but they were maybe not alternating correctly, or they're always using full body movements, or they were speaking, but they were always using the same patterns, or they were perceptive. Think back on these things. Maybe they were good with children, but everything, the mother had to prepare the child always every single time they went somewhere. Those are the red flags that when they were younger, it didn't matter because we thought they would outgrow it. But as they're getting older, it gets highlighted. So that's the first thing. Now, on the other hand, we do want to mention that if there was a trauma of any kind, a loss, a shift in the family dynamics, bullying, abuse, any kind of exposure, Even if you think your child has integration issues and a developmental concern, always consult and have a psychologist on your back pocket. These things are not something to tamper with or play with because, again, trauma and things like that is an actual, actual event that may have impacted your child. And children do not always express fully to their parents exactly what they're feeling, not necessarily because they don't want to, but they just don't know how. Exactly. So... We're not talking about those kind of situations. We're talking about when it's kind of questionable. You're not sure which way to go. And that would definitely be all the things you mentioned, a situation where you will for sure seek out that psychologist, someone to talk to, to help that child and yourself get through that situation. Right. And, you know, with therapies and things like that, when you're thinking, let me figure out what kind of program. So we have some guidelines as to figure out how to speak to a therapist or a professional when you are 
going to them or you're vetting them. Make sure you do ask questions and you find out who has worked with them on your child's issue. And it would be ideal to find out if they have any references for you of those individuals who finished a couple of years out, meaning they've finished the process, they've completed whatever they needed to, and they've had a couple of years to see that the results stayed and that there were no issues after that. Right, 100%. I think you also want to ask a therapist what they don't treat. Exactly. Not always do you treat everything. I know for ourselves and our practice, we will sometimes evaluate a child and say, you know what, this is not something that we're able to help you with right now because either the child needs a little bit too much support or it's not within the domain of our practice or it's not an OT issue and they need a different therapist to address the issue, a behavioral therapist. So I think someone who says I treat everything is someone that you really need to run away from yeah i would i would be a little bit weary weary of of a therapist who does it and you know as as professionals we take an oath of protecting the child and doing no harm so if we're even questioning or we're not certain that this is someone something or someone that we can help then we will shy away from that and i think i don't think you'll find a professional out there who's intentionally trying to do that so the best bet is that if maybe they're not sure or they're over exuberant and they're saying, yes, I treat this and I treat that. And every problem that you're presenting, they're saying how, yes, I've treated, this is all what I do. It's all under one domain. I would shy away from that because everyone has certain diagnoses or symptoms that they will realize it is not their forte or their niche. I also think that you should ask a therapist how long a process is. And although you can't really hold a therapist, I mean, we know this for ourselves, you can't hold a therapist to an exact time frame. Someone should not be doing a particular therapy for too long of a time. There should be a range in terms of what you can expect if you're doing your part and if things are running smoothly that the therapy should um, yield the results that you're looking for. So you also want to ask them, like, how long does it usually take? What's the process? And for the therapists who are listening to our podcast tonight, I do want to tell you that my sister and I went through a lot in our professional life where we were doing certain things and trainings and we were taught that they're, you know, by this point you should be successful and whatever it is. And I I remember one thing that I was trained in where they told me it's one year. In one year, you are going to, that's all you need for this. And, right. and I, I remember starting the technique and it'd be like, oh my gosh, it's not a year. It's taking much longer because it's just a product for me that they were sort of like, it was their product. They thought it was a year. But sometimes you're dealing with a child who has a more intense involvement or it's it, they need a little bit more time. Right. So I can tell you from our experience that as a therapist, you know, you really want to, you want to make sure that whatever treatment protocol you set, you have in your mind your goals and your guidelines of where you want to be. Um, but be, be honest with the parents. Yeah. And if you have Honestly. a more involved child, don't promise that, you know, in two months they're going to be resolved. And by the way, we don't like using the word fixed because the children that we treat are amazing at whatever point they are and they're valued. And it's something that you should encourage the parents because they themselves are wondering when is this going to be over? When will their baby, when will their little one say, I love you? When will their child finally know how to differentiate colors? They want to hear, oh, in four months, in six months. 
But sometimes that promise can be a very hard thing and parents and therapists have to respect the fact that the child is where they're at now and we want to just address them and be functional but at the same time get to the root of the problem but not give false hope. Right. Okay, I'm not sure if that was clear but I think it's an important point. Anything else that we can think of? I'm sure sure there's a lot more that we can talk about. I'd love to hear from everyone who's listening is this a topic that you want to hear a little bit more about? What is of interest to you? What's going to help guide you so that when you listen here and you you know, interact with us and speak to us, you feel like you're getting something of value that's going to help your life a little bit more, that's going to make your home life a little bit easier, that's going to make your child a happy, functioning child, which when they're happy, you're happy. When you're happy, the they're happy. There are so many things and so many ways we can take this. And we're really looking to get your feedback into how we can make this the best um, you know, experience for you. And just to mention, we're going to, every time we do have a podcast, some of them will right. be live with questions and answers afterwards. We will promote that on our Instagram page, um, which is at hands on approaches. And you can also sign up for our email list, we will be taking questions through our email list to answer. So our email, I guess you can find out about our email list at www.handsonapproaches.com. And you could sign up there and ask a question through our foundation. Um, Just mention in the title, podcast quiet the noise and we'll know to keep that in mind to address your specific question especially if you don't want to be on the air um we do want to tell you i do want to mention one thing before we um we sign off i guess that i everyone needs to know that there is no such thing as a question that's That's not a smart question people say oh it's a stupid question i'm putting it out there but that's not the case if you have that question, I guarantee you that there are a hundred other people who have the same or very similar question. And please feel free to reach out and ask us anything that you like, because sometimes the simplest questions can give you the biggest or the broadest answers. Exactly. They can open up an avenue or a topic of conversation that we would like to address and talk about so that we can help you. And just for you to understand our um, our process, we plan on having certain um, shows that are going to be focused on certain topics. Right. Most of them will be addressed for parents and therapists, but it might be broad depending on whatever it is that you guys need. So if you are a therapist, send in your questions and we will try and address those as well. With that in mind, we just want to wish you a wonderful day. Thank and you for joining us. Yes, we appreciate it. And we hope that we helped you quiet the noise. Have a great day. Bye. We hope you enjoyed and learned something new to take with you and help your families. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hands On Approaches or visit our website at www.handsonapproaches.com to learn more about this podcast's topic. If you are interested in having your questions featured on the podcast or to ask your question live, please email us at info at handsonapproaches.com. Please note that none of the information discussed on this podcast should be viewed as medical or psychological treatment. If you are concerned about your child or an adult in your life, please seek out professional help and resources. Thank you for joining our podcast. Please be sure to leave a review or comment so that we can continue providing you quality education.